it works. You know, I mean, I think there was a recognition that um, why not go back to a, a sanction that can help companies um, improve, right? And when you think about it, that's what a monitorship is. It's allowing the entity to stay in business, you know, to remain, you know, viable. This is Tom Fox. In October, Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco gave a keynote speech at the American Bar Association's 36th National Institute on White Collar Crime. Her remarks reframed a discussion about the uses of reason for and perceptions on independent monitors and monitorships. Monaco's remarks should be studied by every compliance professional as they portend a very large change in the way the Department of Justice will use monitors going Over this five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, we will consider why Monaco's remarks herald a new error for monitorships. In other words, it is not your father's monitor. We will look at change in monitorships from the white-collar enforcement and defense perspective from Bethany Hengsbach. Mikhail Ryder-Gordon will look at the global aspects of new DOJ monitor focus. Christina Ravello will discuss how ethics and compliance assessments help drive more compliant companies. Jesse Kaplan brings his views on the twin topics of antitrust and healthcare compliance. And in part five, we conclude with Affiliated Monitors founder, Ben DeCiani, who looks at where monitors and monitor ships are going in 2022 and beyond. First, a word about our sponsor, Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors was the first company in the United States to focus on providing top quality, independent integrity monitoring and assessment services across a wide range of regulated industries and professions. What distinguishes AMI professionals from others is that monitoring is AMI's business. It is not a sideline to some other professional practice or service. AMI has been the corporate integrity monitor for more than 850 matters involving large multinational companies and individual practitioners. For more information, check out their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. In this concluding part five of this special five-part podcast series on Not Your Father's Monitor, I visit with AMI founder Vin DiCiani, where monitorships will go in 2022 and beyond. This podcast series is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox with Vin DiCiani for our concluding episode on Not Your Father's Monitor episode series. Uh, Vin, first of all, welcome back to the podcast. Tom, good to talk to you again. So, Vin, as you know, we've been exploring uh, the issue of monitorship from a variety of angles using Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco's October speech as a starting point. And I really wanted to start by asking you, did you see this as the DOJ recalibrating, responding to what it perceived was a need for an additional tool or using an additional tool? Or uh, did you see something else for this sort of change in DOJ focus, if not policy? Yeah, it's interesting um, that you bring that up because I was present um, at the white collar uh, meeting down in uh, in Miami when when she spoke and and reintroduced this. Um, you know, I think it's two things. One is, you know, monitoring now has been around for a while, and DOJ used it historically 
in with much greater frequency under other administrations. It works. You know, I mean, I think there was a recognition that um, why not go back to a, a sanction that can help companies um, improve, right? And when you think about it, that's what a monitorship is. It's allowing the entity to stay in business, you know, to remain, you know, viable through uh, an independent. So I think, you know, from that perspective, um, you know, bringing the notion and the use of monitorships back um, it was that recognition that it is a very good tool um, for DOJ to use. And the second thing that I think, um, again, is just this recognition is the whole notion of companies like looking at their compliance and ethics programs, which perhaps um, became a little bit more lax, notwithstanding, you know, um, the DOJ guidance that has come out over the years. Um, but she reinvigorated that. I mean, you know, her, the point that companies need to go back and look at their compliance programs um, to make sure that they're strong. Sometimes it's really hard for companies to do that, you know. Um, and so the the fact that they're going to put monitors in place that are going to sort of be looking at, you know, uh, compliance and ethics and controls around compliance. Again, I think it's just a recognition that some companies have a hard time doing that. And that's why they're before DOJ. And so having the monitor uh, be involved in that assessment of the effectiveness of the compliance program, whether or not it is properly written and, and you know, it, it covers the various topics that are pertinent to the organization is just another reason why I think bringing monitors back, you know, uh, that was the thinking behind that. And there was uh some of her remarks indicated to me that the words she was using was not simply monitor or monitorships. I heard independent integrity monitor. Um, AMI has used that phrase at least as long as since I've known you guys, but I'd like to focus on the word integrity. And I think that's a highly significant word when it comes to monitorships, but I really wanted your thoughts on why not only does AMI use that phrase, but why is the word integrity in independent integrity monitors so important? Yeah, it's, you know, it's something that has been been on my mind for 18 years ago, you know, 18 years now. So when we created Affiliated 18 years ago, that's our logo, integrity through compliance, you know, and and we saw it as something that, you know, um, it goes beyond just the superficial um, and the, you know, just the, the, the pro forma acting of, you know, putting a compliance program in place and, you know, having words on a piece of paper um, and, and not having nothing behind it. You know, um, I think that for compliance programs to be effective, I think they have to have integrity. <laughs> you know, they have to be transparent. They have to be honest. They have to not, you know, sort of be hypocritical. You know, you say one thing and you do something else. You know, so integrity is not necessarily going to just come through the words in a compliance program, but it's really going to come through the actions, right, that the leadership takes and the management takes and the staff takes, you know, in terms of enforcement. For the monitor, I think that that's equally important. I mean, I think, you know, that there are some um, monitors who really are more investigator types, you know, and they're looking for you know, particular things, you know, on a checklist to make sure that the the entity is doing something or not doing something um, that is prescribed in the settlement agreement or a DPA. 
I think nowadays monitors really are being asked, and I think this is, you know, who we are as a company, affiliate monitors, we're being asked to do much more, you know, in that, in the, in the language of, you know, assessing, uh, you know, the effectiveness or the impact that a compliance program is having on a staff. You know, to do that, you know, it takes know-how, it takes experience, it takes sort of that, um, you know, the wisdom of looking at the program and then talking to people on the ground, you know, in the middle management, at the top of the organization, the board of directors, and just finding out whether or not the program is real. That's something that I think that's important for the monitor to have. The other thing that I think that's really important, um, and and it's something that I think got blurred um, in the past um, with DOJ, um, is the notion of independent integrity monitors. You know, I mean, I think um, too often um, in the last administration, I think that there was consideration of not necessarily the quality of the monitor, but who friendships and previous experiences, you know, in selecting monitors. I think that the integrity of the monitor is crucial, you know, to making it a successful monitorship. You know, you don't want to give monitorships, you know, to people who have not done monitoring before because they don't know what they're doing. They have to learn the process. Um, so I think that that integrity is crucial, you know, in that selection of, of monitorships. And, and I, I like to think that, you know, in the 18 years that we've been doing this, um, we've built up, you know, that reputation of having integrity in all of the work that we do and being honest and being a, sort of the, the honest broker as the monitor. And I've interviewed a lot of lawyers who have a white collar practice and in that practice regularly uh, work with or negotiate with the Department of Justice. And every one of them tells me the strongest asset they bring to any investigation is independence uh, or, and rather it's two things, independence and integrity. And that they, when they tell the DOJ something, the DOJ can believe them that it's true. And it seems to me that uh, that same concept uh, applies to the monitorship in an independent integrity monitor. It applies in a different way, but I was wondering uh, why the independent or independence of the monitor is so critical, uh, in your opinion, in addition to the integrity. Right. So, you know, the whole notion of putting an independent monitor in place, um, I, I think, is based on the fact that the monitor really needs to be a neutral um, and can't be viewed as you know, the arm of the agency so that you're like the investigator and just continuing an investigation of a company. Um, so you can't be looked at that way. Um, and I don't think any government agency would want that, although we've worked with a couple that would prefer that we continue uh, to be the investigator. Um, but you really want the, the monitor to be independent. And then from the vantage point of defense counsel and the entity that has to be monitored, we can't be their advocates. You know, we have to be neutral. You know, and so despite their efforts sometimes to influence us by, you know, saying, oh, we're doing this and we're doing that, which is great. You know, the independent piece comes in in terms of validating and testing what they've done, you know, um, looking at the efforts that they've made to see if they're real or are they just words that they're trying to influence the monitor. You know, so that that independence, it, it really plays on both sides. It plays for the government. 
you want an independent and for the for the company and defense counsel you want somebody that is neutral so when we go into cases you know we have no pre preconceived notions they usually we we're looking at a settlement agreement which does not necessarily tell us everything that happened you know um and sometimes we don't need to know what happened we want to see where you are from today the day you signed the deferred prosecution moving forward what efforts have you made to fix the problems that got you you know before the agency so the 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 notion of independence and and is crucial number one and number two making that determination of independence you know it, it's there's certain criteria that you have to have you know have you worked for the company before are you a shareholder you know you go through these kinds of um questions um when you're being considered to be the monitor i, I think those are important considerations for both the government and for the um uh the entity that's being monitored um nobody wants you know, just somebody that's a yes man. That's uh, that's gonna you know just say the yes. The company's doing great. Here's a here's a you know uh, a report you know a two liner that's being submitted to the government. It was criticism of early monitorships um, that uh, I recall in the in the you know the early two thousands, where the monitor was basically kicking the tires, doing really nothing other than oh yeah we were there they, we talked to them and they're doing great. There's got to be much more to it. And that's the part of the independence and that's part of the integrity. That's crucial. I was uh, <clears throat> privileged to be under a DOJ monitorship that's in it. that time frame. And frankly, it was viewed as punitive yeah. and that it was an additional penalty. The Department of Justice did not trust us and that they had a very aggressive investigative type monitor over us. And I think that may have been at least the perception in the first decade of this century. It seems uh, with DAG Monaco's speech that, that at least the DOJ has had an evolution into one of the points you raised earlier, which is monitorships are a tool, and they're a tool to help the company and viewed properly and, you more importantly, utilized properly. They can be a net positive for the company. I wonder if, if you've seen that evolution in thinking as well, and uh, is that really one of the things you took away from uh, Monaco's speech? Yes. So again, I think it's a great question, Tom. And, and, and it's a great question because, first of all, not every entity should in agree to engage in a monitor. You know, if you're not ready to be transparent um, and to have the monitor come in and, and look at things um, and, you know, sort of open the kimono and just say, here, here we are, look at us, please tell, you know, the DOJ that what we're doing. If you're not ready to do that, don't engage a monitor, right? So I think that that's one of the important considerations. I think the evolution of monitoring, and it's an evolution and it's continuing to evolve, has included consideration that the monitor isn't necessarily just, again, an arm of the government agency. You know, because if that's the consideration, then no one's going to sign up to have a monitor. I think what we're hearing, and I think Lisa Monaco sort of mentioned it, and we've seen it, you know, in many of the monitorships that we're, we're looking at and working on, and that is the government saying to the monitor, be a mentor, tell them how to fix things. You've seen it, compare it to other companies. They want that experience that we bring, affiliated brings as a monitor to make the company better. Again, the, the decision to keep them in business has already been made. That's why you have the agreement. If you once the agreement's in place, the whole notion is let's fix this. 
right? And I think that that's crucial. I think that that's crucial to this whole notion of how monetorships have evolved because it's no longer just, you know, a check the box. Are they doing this, doing that? Now it's make recommendations on improvement and let's see if they make those changes. Ben, as a sort of a closing uh, point, I wanted to maybe ask you about the skill set and the types of people that the DOJ should consider for monitorship. I think we both recognize that a former prosecutor, a former DOJ prosecutor brings one level of skills, but a monitor needs a wide variety of skills, uh, culture assessment skills, internal controls assessment skills, investigative skills, a number of skills, a forensic skills. And I was wondering if you could talk about how you think through building out a monitorship team now. Yeah. So it's so crucial um, that you have the various perspectives that you just described, right? So we don't go into a monitorship with the idea of being former government regulators and saying, oh, this is the only thing that has to be looked at. You know, when you're looking at a settlement agreement, a deferred prosecution agreement from any agency, and we work with many different agencies, you have to have the necessarily necessary skills to be able to look at things like business development. How are they going after business? Do they know what they're doing? So to do that, you have to have some skills in the business development arena, right? Data analytics. You know, sometimes the, 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 the monitorship is driven by data. So you have to have a data analytics team that can analyze, test, you know, um, and, and, and look at, at data in, in various ways. Sometimes you do need forensic accounting. Sometimes you need an expert as, um, you know, a healthcare specialist or whatever you're doing in terms of coding and billing. So what we do is we shape each monitorship to make sure that we have a, a team that has the various perspectives. You know, what would the government be looking for? But how can this be helpful to the to the entity? Those are the most successful um, monitorships that we we have engaged in. And again, I've been doing this for 18 years. Um, and I, I think that having that broader perspective um, as you approach a monitorship is crucial. The um, Benchkowski memo, which came out during the prior administration, reset expectations around monitorships and really what the DOJ wanted to see. And it seems to me, Vin, particularly after visiting with you, that we've had yet another uh, reset with the Monaco speech, and we may be in a new era of monitorships. And just maybe as a closing, uh, you've talked about what the evolution you've seen. Where do you see monitorships going under uh, either what uh, Lisa Monica told us, Monaco told us, or or where you as AMI see monitorships going down the road? So, you know, I, when, you, when you listen to, to Lisa's speech, it really focused on DOJ, right? Um, but, you know, as you know from our previous conversations, we monitor in many different, you know, areas with lots of different government agencies, federal government agencies, state, municipal agencies. We work with attorney inspectors general. We work with, you know, the World Bank and, and you know, um, other organizations. Um, so, you know, monitorships, I think, are continuing to be used as a tool. I think some agencies that have never used them before are starting to recognize the benefits of them. Um, and um, other government agencies are increasing the frequency in which they're using monitors. So I, I think that, that monitorships are going to continue to grow. The fear that I have is 
the bad monitor, you know, the monitor that doesn't understand what they're doing um, and doesn't um, really take a look at the kinds of things that they should be looking at, um, because that's going to give everybody a bad name in terms of monitoring. So, you know, if, if you're going to put a monitor in place, make sure that the selection of the monitor is correct uh, and you do it right and you get the kinds of information as the government agency that you want from the monitor. But I think it's going to be a growing uh, opportunity, uh, Tom. Well, Vin, as always, a pleasure to visit with you. Uh, thanks so much. And I look forward to continuing this conversation. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed our special five-part podcast series, Not Your Father's Monitor, sponsored by Affiliated Monitors. If you would like more information on Affiliated Monitors, please check out their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. If you would like to have a special podcast series for your organization, give me a shout. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com.